Hey guys, welcome to the True Blue Riffcast with your hosts, Jeremy and Dave. My name is Christine DeBell, but many of you know me as Susan from A Talking Cat. And as you know, I have to go and get my cheese puffs out of the oven. So have a great time with Jeremy and Dave. See you soon. Thanks, Christine. I am Jeremy, and this is the True Blue Riffcast. And with me is always... Wait, with you is always. No. With, with me you as is always. always. Yes. No, we're not right, coming. Let's try that again. We know we're ah. not coming back from the edit for that one. Hi, ah. I'm Dave. Ah, <laughs> oh, every time, Dave. Every time. <laughs> oh, and I'm today, a today we are joined by a very special guest. He's the social media guy for Rift Tracks, and the recipient of massive amounts of delivery fast food from his friends. Welcome to the podcast, Peter Hunter. Hi, um, I'd like to mention that I ate spaghetti squash and a salad and steamed peas for dinner tonight. I am not a monster, but my friends are. You didn't eat the 50 cheeseburgers? No, those are currently occupying all of my freezer. Um, So that's going to be an endeavor throughout the next two months, probably. I'd say, who brought you that? Those are your friends? He, he, look, he's a very old and dear friend, and he likes to weaponize cheap fast food against us to bring himself joy, and that's fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, is, like... is his name Connor Lestoka? No, 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 no. Like... Connor, Connor wouldn't have, Connor wouldn't be quantity. It would be quality. I think oh, okay. uh, for a lot of people, it'd be quality, but he is quantity. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he sent you like what, like twenty dollars worth of chicken strips the other day. Um, yeah, two weeks ago it was two hundred chicken nuggets, and then <laughs> this week it was fifty cheeseburger McDonald's cheeseburgers and twelve orders of um, popcorn chicken from Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'm sorry, that's that's amazing. It's yeah, I mean, the first response from everyone is like, "I want a friend like that," but then I'm like, "No, you don't understand. <laughs> it's my entire freezer like now." <laughs> Thank you, Peter's friend. That is beautiful. <laughs> His name is Matt. Thanks, Matt. Hi, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Ah, <laughs> uh, now uh, we do have a couple questions for you. All right, shoot. The first is the one that we like to ask all of our guests: If you could only have three riffs for the rest of your life, if you were trapped on a desert island and you could only have three riffs with you, what would you what would you want to be stuck with? I mean, it's it's a tricky question, and there are so many wonderful riffs to choose from uh, available at rifttracks.com. Um, but I would start um, with one where I genuinely enjoy watching the movie being riffed, um, and that is Miami Connection. I will go with the live version, not the studio version. Uh, so that'll be the first one. Because, you know, I'm going to be alone on a desert island. I'm going to need some friends through eternity. YK Kim will teach me kung fu. Um, you know, I'll grow as a person. Probably before I starve to death, you know, as it goes. Yeah. Uh, after that, um, I would have to pick, because this was my first Rift Tracks, um, I'd have to pick Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, oh, nice. I still remember finding this in the DVD section of Streetlight Records, where I went to college, and being like, what? The MST3K still exists, and uh, my life changed from there on out. So definitely play nine from outer space. Classic Edward classic Edward's best movie. Yeah. Um, okay. I have a, a question. Introduced to Rift I Tracks. have a question yeah. about, about this because Jeremy, you found Rift tracks in the, in the DVD store as well. Now Peter has, everybody has a story about how they found Rift tracks in the DVD store. How come I'm, I'm the, it seems like I'm the only person who, who hasn't done that. 
Like, well, like I just, I just found, I found, I just found them on the internet. Well, um, you were googling better than the rest of us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, I, 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 I feel like I've missed out on this important part of the Rift Tracks experience of stumbling upon something in the DVD store. <laughs> I, I feel oh, left hey. out. Hey, if you go to the right convention, you could find a bootleg Rift Tracks DVD and discover it that way. So there you go. We know when conventions are a thing again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they might not ever be. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see. Wait, there might be going. people on via Zoom selling bootleg Rift Tracks DVDs. We don't know. <laughs> um, but for my last um, Desert Island riff, um, this, I believe, will be a controversial choice, but I, I stick by it, and that'll be Anaconda. Um one of my favorite live shows. And again, a movie I enjoy watching without the riff. Um, it's a fantastic riff. I think one of our most underrated live shows, in my humble opinion. Um, so, yeah, those would be my three Desert Island riffs. Halloween 2014. Some pretty solid choices. I like to think so. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed Anaconda. I think uh, I think I liked it better than uh, Godzilla. Okay, now here is my opportunity to complain about the theaters doing Rift Tracks Live because Jeremy does it every single time, but here's my opportunity to do it. <laughs> uh, when um, I went to, uh, in 2014, when Anaconda, I took my nieces, and I used to take like my um, whole family to Rift Tracks Live until uh, they decided that they weren't interested in it anymore. <laughs> and, but um, uh, I used to take, just by like, seven seven to ten tickets and just take everybody and go it was like a great fun and uh it was the first time i took my nieces to rift tracks live and um the theater bungled it quite badly uh, uh they like started it like halfway through because we because we're in mountain time and mm -hmm. they like cut it on like like if you go a little bit early they're already showing the uh the live feed but when mm -hmm. like seven o'clock our time comes around, they'll like kick the feed back. They went to kick the feed back and it never came back on. Oof. Oh no. Yeah. So it was, um, no, it came back on, but it was just like a whole, it was a whole 20. So like all the electricity from just like, you know, all the electricity from the live shows that, that is generated. It was just gone. And the whole time I'm just like really pissed off. So that was just kind of like, the worst Rift Tracks live experience for me. It's got nothing to do with Rift Tracks or Anaconda. I was just very upset with my theater that night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it. unfortunately, it happens, you know, when you've got so many different theaters carrying it with so many staff, some of which probably haven't done something like this before since, you know, mm -hmm. it's a pretty high turnover job. Yeah. Like, stuff like this happens. It happens every time. It's unfortunate. Um, it's kind of why we strive to make all of our live shows also available as, you know, VODs and DVDs after the fact, mm -hmm. just so we can make sure people can end up seeing the live show. Yeah. But, you know, it happens. I'm sorry it happened. Uh, I wasn't employed at Rift Tracks at the time, so it was not <laughs> my fault in any way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that happened. It was, a, it was a fun live show. I'm sorry you missed out. But do you know what I recommend? I recommend going to see it live in Nashville. I've done that. I've been there. It's a great oh, time. Dave. Jeremy, have you done that? God. <laughs> You know what, Dave? Yeah. Okay, I'm done. He likes to rub that in every yeah. chance he gets. I believe that uh, was that Mothra you were at. Yeah, well, yeah, it was Mothra. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a, I was also there. It was a very fun live show. So sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the newest release from Rift Tracks. Oh God, do we have to? A wonderful little movie from uh, Full Moon. Uh, uh, 
what, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there. Stitches. Yes. A weird movie about uh, a demon dressing up like a grandma in an indeterminate year. Yeah. And tormenting people in a bed and breakfast. <laughs> turning them into little paper dolls. It was... Um... It was an experience. Now, Peter, I understand that, that you were quite fascinated with this movie and that you were, were, were very keen on discussing it. Uh, tell me, what do you find fascinating about about all of this? Because I find it fascinating as well. But... <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of things about it that are just really bizarre to me. Um, you know, it's... I'd say this is very much unlike a lot of the low-budget horror movies we that come across us and frank frankly it's like barely a horror movie like i struggle to call it a horror movie there's almost no score in it all of the actors have like one emotional speed that's throughout the entire <laughs> thing um the antagonist is like a sassy grandma who should be playing yeah. like, a second grade teacher on like a sitcom like i don't understand why she's satan in this um she, rather she's satan but she's like crafted a skin of an old lady that she's in to turn all of these people into paper dolls with like special effects out of the puppet master series and um, <laughs> the vocal tracks of like the chipmunks. Um, it's there's this weird Christian theme throughout it that doesn't really fall. It isn't really followed up and it's kind of paid <laughs> off like right at the end. You think it's going to be like, do you believe in God thing or, or, yeah. or, or something to do with God or belief or does God really hate the devil or something? And then yeah. It'll just taper off, and then it's just like it, it never it never comes back again. Yeah, it's um it's not a good movie. Um, I I'll, I will go out on a limb and say it's not very good. Um, <laughs> and it, yeah, it's I I just don't know who this movie was for. Like with some of the B movies, like I get why like um I get why like Mind Ripper was made. I see that there's an audience for <laughs> Mind Ripper. I yeah. don't know who this is for i really don't like is it for children is it supposed to scare children i have a theory and it's that it's very much like a lot of the movies that uh are done on riff tracks is that they had they had to make it like for some kind of tax purpose mm. or like it was just like okay this is the next movie on the dock or okay you know how famously the Fantastic Four movie, the very first one, the Roger Corman one, was yeah. made so that uh, they didn't lose the movie rights or something like that. Like, that's the lore behind the old Fantastic Four movie. Mm -hmm. This movie, I think, like, it was made, but it was made to fulfill some kind of contractual obligations to, like, a bunch of different people or actors or 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 producers and um now jeremy said jeremy did you say that this was released in theaters uh yeah one source said theaters but the more i looked into it uh it just says direct to video so oh okay it may have had like a limited theatrical release yeah. just looking at the print it, it's not a theater print at all um no no yeah. no that's definitely a direct to video print yeah. now it's funny that um you brought up that it had effects straight out of the puppet master series because the director of this movie and writer of this movie also wrote retro puppet master oh oh god 
see that i don't know why that makes sense to me but it but it does oh it definitely does make sense yeah lots of questionable accents that change throughout the movie (laughs) um (laughs) like tiny things stabbing people um yeah, I, I, the Retro Puppet Master was a movie I actually sought out before it was Rift because I just, when you go to Greg Sebastero's IMDb, it's one of the only things there, and I had to see it. Yeah, he talks about it in uh, The Disaster Artist. Yeah, so um, I saw this when I was in like college. Like After we saw The Room, we sought out the documentary Tommy Wiseau made, which we couldn't find, and then um, the Retro Puppet Master, and it was it's it's, it's Retro Puppet Master. Um, <laughs> yeah. Greg Sebastero is a very nice person, but uh, I mean, it's... It's not great. Um, <laughs> so it's not surprising at all that these came from the same creative void. Right. So, well, let's talk about what, what, what actually happens in the movie. Mm. So it, it starts off with, I guess they're in hell. And it shows um, Grandma Satan, or she's like, I don't think she's Satan. I think she's like Satan adjacent. She's yeah. like, yeah, we've been calling her Nana Satan, yeah. you know, it's close enough. Yeah. yeah so, 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 so Nana Satan is, uh, making an old lady suit and, uh, she puts it on and I guess stitches it up in the back. That's, I guess that's where the, uh, title comes from. And she goes to this bed and breakfast with the Babadooks and they never show back up. And there are all these people, and I didn't know any of their names for most of the movie. I think I knew the dude's name at the very end. His name was like Mr. McAllister or something. I don't remember. And Mr. Gray? Yeah, yes. Yeah, Mr. Gray. Shades of Gray riff with him. I'm reading Fifty Shades of Me. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I guess he's supposed to be the main character, even though we don't see him at all, except at the beginning of the movie. And at the end of the movie, um, so her first kill is with the guy who didn't believe in God, Mr. And, Reynolds, I think yeah, his name was. And she, yeah, like, um, she after affected him into uh, the into the sewing machine, and the next morning, like, well, guess he caught an early train, derp. <laughs> um. And then, yeah, now okay. There, there's a very specific scene in the movie that I want to talk about, uh, and I, I'm not sure if it's a couple of kills later or if it's the next kill. But we'll just jump ahead to that. Okay, so when Grandma Satan <laughs> takes the form of uh, horny guys, uh, not his wife, but like um, not Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah the school teacher. teacher. She'd be like, goes to this 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 woman's husband. She'd be like, I want you to do me. Only she doesn't say do. It's like the one F word they, they could use in the movie. Um, so come to my room. Okay, so he does that. And uh, he starts kissing her. And she, oh, oh, it was established earlier in the movie that she keeps a loaded gun under her pillow. I'm not sure why. Um, but anyway, she's like, <laughs> like, obviously, like, stop kissing me, bro. Like, I like, like, like. Like no 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 good anymore. No matter what I said before, right? At that point, he should get the hint. But he keeps going, and she grabs the gun and shoots him point at point blank range in the chest. Okay, his blood is everywhere. I thought he was dead. 
and then she she goes and she uh, gets Grandma Satan. Grandma Satan comes back, and he's still alive. And I'm like, you should be dead. <laughs> like, how did he survive that? And he's speaking perfectly. He's acting like, you know, for, for someone who just got shot in the chest, he's speaking <laughs> in, like, like he's taking full breaths. And speaking back, uh, he seems he seems only mildly annoyed that his blood is everywhere and that he's bleeding to death and that, you know, it it's it's just not. I don't know what to make of that scene. And then she's like, uh, "Well, hey, uh, Mister Horny Guy, uh, you know you're gonna bleed out, so you want to be one of my uh, paper slaves or whatever." And he's like, "Okay, sure, right?" And um, <laughs> And then, and then, and then that's it. So my question to, to you guys would be, how did he survive that gunshot wound to the chest? Uh, because B movie. Because um, well, that's my answer. Yeah. Well, I will. Okay. I will. The movie establishes this stupid bad logic, so I will defend it. Um, basically, okay. <laughs> like Nana Satan has to make everyone accept like a favor, and then she can like turn them into paper dolls. Okay. So her favor to the Mr. Shot in the chest is that she'll let him live. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that if like for anything. And then she turns him into a paper doll after that because she accept he accepted the favor of like not dying, which is like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a catch favor. too because yeah. I'm kind yeah. of damned if you do, damned if you don't, but whatever. It was it was right around this point in the movie uh where my wife came into the room and she sat down on the couch. And she started watching it and she looked at me and she said, so what's going on? And I looked back at her and I just kind of shrugged. Said, yeah. I don't know. I'm yeah, not really sure. Like... It's just people being turned into little paper dolls with screaming faces. And she just went, okay, so I'm not actually missing anything then. Like, no, you know, you're really not. Um... No, you're not. The uh, and the rest of the movie is she goes through the rest of them one by one, and at the end, uh, she like the maid who has been verbally abused this whole time. She's the second. She's the second to last to get um, paper dolled, but she's being like, "Oh yes, I'm going to be the queen now." So like, oh, like a big twist is that? Oh no, she's evil, uh, but she just gets screwed like everybody else. Um, yep. And then um, Mr. Gray, he ends up, so I guess Grandma Satan wins. And then, uh, okay, see you later. Like, oh, that's how it ends. <laughs> and uh, the question on everyone's mind is, what year does this take place in? We don't even need a yeah. year. Just give us a decade. Yeah, not we're not sure. We're really not sure. I, maybe the original script has a note in it about the year, but um, we really don't know. I can, so, confirm, I, mean, I can confirm internally we do not know what year this movie takes place in. Because there's so, at least a 50-year span, like around yeah. the end of the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s, that this could so have Bell, conceivably taken place in. Bell invented the telephone in like the 1870s, at, at least 1880. So we know it's 1880 forward, to the point <laughs> where people aren't traveling, people aren't catching early trains anymore. So it's got to be before the advent of commercial air flight. So, right. Yeah, that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll ever actually find out for sure. I mean, it's for the best, really. It's better. Yeah, than we probably. Know. 
But Jeremy, would you recommend Stitches? The riff. I would definitely recommend oh, Stitches. Okay. The the riff, yes, not the movie by itself, yes. because the movie by itself has some serious pacing issues. Big prop, big big and, problems. Uh, but the the riff definitely helps it, and there's some really good uh, some really good stuff in there. The line about reading Fifty Shades of Me, yeah, that had was a great, great big laugh. The uh, the line about asking for double meat at Subway actually <laughs> got a huge laugh out of my wife. <laughs> Do you know what I really loved about 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 the riff is that they seemed as genuinely confused because a, <laughs> a, a, about what was going on as like the audience would be because a lot of times riff tracks kind of I'm not saying this is a bad thing but a lot of times riff tracks kind of just like okay here's a joke here's a joke here's a joke in this one it really did seem like they were along with us like doing the whole WTF thing. Kind of like, you know, uh, another riff that does this very well is the guy from Harlem. So mm. it really did feel like Mike, Kevin, and Bill were with you, were on the same level as the audience as far as like, what are we watching the whole time? Uh, so I appreciated that about the riff a lot. So I think that's what makes this riff quite enjoyable, and I would recommend it as well. Yeah, there's definitely a quality to films of this nature like another recent movie like this would be suburban sasquatch where it's just mm-hmm. questions of why That's why the best. is this happening yeah. um so i i would definitely recommend stitches um it's available at rifttracks.com slash stitches um and uh, that is a totally unbiased um <laughs> um pl- plug plug right there um run around uh, yeah, no, it's like I'm not gonna act like all of our riffs are equally funny. Um, like that's just impossible. But this one was yeah. very funny, and I think people will enjoy it. Um, it doesn't have. I think it's very family friendly, minus maybe the Fifty Shades thing. But I guess they sell those everywhere, so who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. there's the one line when she's handing the key over to the uh, the horny husband guy. Outside of that, it's like not, I want you like, to ask super, me, uh, I was like, "Whoa!" It's not super violent, like when she slices the lady's neck, like it cuts away. Yeah. Oh no, no, yeah, no. When she's when she slashes her neck, like it, you don't see any blood. Yeah, it's like you a know, freeze it's, frame. Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh yeah, my it's god! Very, very weird for a horror movie. I have one like more you question. Said, very yeah. light horror. It's not really. I have one more oh, yeah. question before we move on. Is that um, if Grandma Satan was able, did she have flesh suits for all the guests as well? Um, so she like cast some sort of like incantation where she could okay. like take the form of any of like the souls she captured. So I uh-huh. think that was some so, other devil magic. But then why does she need a flesh suit at all? <laughs> um, I. I don't know, man. It's not a good movie. You're putting, trying to put logic in this movie, Dave, and it doesn't work. It has <laughs> okay. no place here. I'm sorry. Our second, uh, our second VOD that we're going to take a look at uh, is the 2017 live show, The Summer Shorts Beach Party. Woo! And I believe we have Peter to to thank for this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. This is one of my favorite of our live shows. Um. I, my girlfriend and I actually got to attend in person. Um. Sorry, nice. Jeremy. Um. <laughs> and it, like I, I cannot emphasize this enough. There's nothing quite like seeing a large group of people discover the bags for the first time. Oh God. Um. So, yeah. Some of my favorite riff track shorts are 
contained within the show. And I love our VODs, but the shorts sometimes are my favorite just because of how completely, utterly insane the subject matter is we're riffing on. And there's plenty of that in this show. Shorts are definitely my go-to when it comes to riff tracks because, you know, I, I, I work weird hours. I've got three kids, you know, so I don't really always have time to sit down and rewatch, you know, an hour and a half long movie, but I can watch three 10 minute shorts. Mm-hmm. And hey, Jeremy, are you, are, are you, are you trying to say that you didn't watch the river and Sasquatch six times? Like I did. No, I can't say that because I did, because <laughs> okay. it was that insane. And I had to, but, uh, my son also watched that one with me. So it was okay. But, uh, <laughs> there he goes again. But anytime we get something like this, you know, the summer shorts beach party, the reunion show, uh, the Christmas short extravaganza, uh, I, I definitely gravitate to those live shows uh, because it's just a, a big collection of shorts. And this one had some outstanding, outstanding shorts in it. And it started right off with a great one uh, with Ricky the raccoon. Oh, oh man. The teleporting mascot about for, bike safety. For bicycle safety. Yeah. That's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, man, that was such a weird suit, too. Like, it's... he had, like, this goatee thing, like Captain Lou going on. I think she's from the same planet as Guardiana, only, like, like that's what raccoons look like on her planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bizarre. It starts with a family buying a house, and then, like, the raccoon shows up, and the realtor is like, yeah, he comes with the house, and, like, they stop <laughs> questioning it from that point on. And then he just proceeds to take their son away and um, go through a series of safety vignettes. And they keep calling him a bear. They He on, he does kind of look more like a bear than a raccoon, though, if I'm going to yeah. be honest. Well, right, I, I, I try to say that there aren't raccoons that are six feet tall and walk on their hind legs and play baseball and etc. Look, this year I'd say anything is possible, so I'm yeah. not going to rule it out. <laughs> but in the 60s or 70s when they made this short, no. I mean, they had the right drugs. It's true. And drugs are like that. Yeah, <laughs> drugs are like Ricky Raccoon. Such a bizarre... And then a great way to start the show. Yeah, no, ton of fun. Um, I always love the weird mascot shorts. And uh, this goes up there, you know, with like Soapy the Germ Fighter and Coily the Spring Sprite. Um, just a, it's a great time when people are just trying to create a branded thing to teach safety. Yeah. The thing is, and these brands never show up again. Like this. Right. <laughs> right. Like, like Soapy, like when did he ever show up again? Oh, no, wait. What's it? Soapy was one of the ones that that like dies at the end, like after like like Coily. They'll be like, "Well, like the I... paper bag." Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Um. Look, it's it's still cute to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Someone thought it was a good idea. Uh, and then from there we got uh, uh, Trace and Frank, the original Mads from uh, Mystery Science Theater. And they did a short called Office Etiquette uh, about a woman and her first office job. And uh, there was definitely some some pretty good stuff in there. We had uh, somebody hiding, what, hiding chocolates at their desk and trying to eat it while they were working. And uh, somebody reading the paper instead of working. And uh, somebody sleeping. I know there was somebody on the phone. All this stuff that you see still today, the short did not solve anything. 
Yeah, it's all in, like, they're not in cubicles. They're just in desks in, like, one large room. Um, so, like, you're not hiding anything. Like, no. your boss could see any of this at any point. Obviously, the bosses don't care either. Yeah, well, there you go. That's, um, I guess they didn't learn office etiquette either. I wish I worked there. <laughs> well, considering it was, like, 1957, you'd probably be making, like, a dollar an hour. So, oh. you know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, and then Mike, Kevin, and Bill came back out and gave us rhythmic ball skills. Okay, yeah, this oh, is unfold this way. About. I love rhythmic ball skills. Rhythmic ball skills was one of those shorts um, that once it was screened, that was just green light right away. Rhythmic yeah. ball skills. You got to <laughs> wonder, was... yeah, you 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 got to wonder what the what did they make that for and why. I, it's definitely to ex- exploit grant money, which is what most of like the shorts we riff are made for. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. definitely. These, these terribly uninterested children, like stuck in this room against this brick wall, <laughs> throwing a ball about for like I don't know how long. I hope the parents consented to this. Like this is just awful. <laughs> Drop the ball and then catch it. Yeah, clockwise, clockwise. But why? Uh, <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> Use the rhythmic ball skills, which I believe was our 300th or 400th short we've riffed. It was some absurdly high number. It was it was the 300th one. Yeah. Because then Bill did his little poem, right? Yes, he did do a poem with uh, Kevin yeah. on the nose flute. Yes. Yes, he is an expert nose flute player, if you did not know this about Kevin Murphy. Kevin, anytime Kevin does anything musical, it's it's a thing of beauty. Oh, it's great. Uh, the Samurai Cop rock and action theme is on my gym playlist. Nice. He's a songbird. Songbird and the, generation. Uh, the video for uh, Mutiny of Love oh, is yeah. one of my all-time favorite things I've ever seen Kevin do. Yeah. No, all of the music videos. Mutiny of Love, the tale of Octoman, um, the... Oh, God, what is the... I'm trying to remember the last one. I can't remember. Uh, he's a Star Raider. Um, it's all great stuff. Highly recommend. All accessible on our Patreon. Um, just saying. Yeah. Well, what is it? That three dollars? It's uh, three dollars a month. You get access to hundreds of posts. Uh, great content. Can't get it anywhere else. Totally unbiased plug here. Rifttracks.com/slash/patreon. Um, We're talking rift tracks. Yeah, some great behind-the-scenes videos and stuff there. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> enough. Enough with the plugs. Let's move back to. Uh, Summer Shorts Beach Party and Bridget and Mary Jo's riff, The Griper. Oh my this God. one was about a, a high school student who just didn't ever want to do anything and all he did was complain. And then he's haunted by himself yep. to start doing stuff. It's a ghost of himself as an even worse actor. <laughs> Super wooden. Like, if you've seen any of these old, like, 40s, 50s PSAs, you've seen this acting like it's just super wooden guy clearly reading a cue card it's not good uh, it's really not good but bridget and mary joe are great i love their particular style of riffing and i think they knocked oh, yeah. it out of the part with this one yeah we we bring them up constantly on here um about how how much fun it is to watch them do a riff because you can tell that they're just having a blast doing it Oh yeah. Like they sound like they're having, you know, a great time and that definitely transfers over to the experience. But yet, you know, there's still people who, well, if it's not Mike, Kevin and Bill, I don't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, they're say, uh, 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, I wish those people would be a little more open-minded, you know, because we've got, you know, Sean and Connor riffing more. We've got the yes. Wits, yes. Um, who are great as well. Uh, we have the Sketchfest gang, um, which I also enjoy greatly, um, Cole and Janet. You know, there, there's a lot there's a lot of riffing out there. You know, open your mind to more riffing. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. Free your mind. Stop being a griper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take a red pill or something. Oh, no, don't do that. No, not the red <laughs> pill. Don't red pill. Don't do any of that. No. No. If you only uh, want to next... wreck your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Up next, after the griper, we had uh, Mike, Kevin, and Bill coming back out and giving us Sentinels of Safety, which, you know, another one of those uh, be careful around the house thing. And this one is notable for one scene. And what is that scene, Peter? Oh, you're talking about the nail or you're talking about yes. the gasoline clothes? <laughs> well, it's most notable for the nail through yeah. the foot. Yeah, no, uh... it, it's it's pretty grim, honestly, even with like the, the comedy behind it, just watching someone step on a nail, which I'm sure was done with special effects um, and just <laughs> fall backwards. It's, it's very, very uncomfortable. Uh... Um, the sh- whole short is just a series of these like easily avoidable accidents. I think... Um, there's the oil on the the stove, and then they like draw flames on the house, like really yes. hazardly. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, it's a good time. It's a fun for the whole family. Uh, fire and people stepping on nails. Um, highly recommend. Yeah, people uh, sitting on chairs and then breaking uh, because they didn't make sure to, to care for it properly. And uh, yeah, the person knocking over the uh, pan of bacon off the stove. Yeah, there's just there's so much. But that nail thing, on it. yeah, oh. the nail thing is the worst part. Yeah, they, it's this. I have the same reaction to watching it in there as I do in watching it in Home Alone. It's the same mm. because I've done it before. I know what it feels like, and it's a very Ooh. visceral reaction. Yeah, well, you got the sense memory there. You're hearkening back to your own experience. Uh, someone who has not yeah. stepped on a nail, I was also very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. Uh, I don't see how anybody could really enjoy that. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there, but it's someone's yeah. kink. Don't kink shame. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you <laughs> think stepping on nails. Maybe don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe don't. Uh, um, yeah. After after Sentinels of Safety, uh, the guys were joined by Paul F. Tompkins woo! for a touch of magic, which was basically. Uh, an automobile sizzle reel for all of the new uh, <laughs> models of 1960, what, seven or something? A song and dance automobile sizzle reel. Uh, yeah. I'll have you know. Yes. Yeah, uh, Paul is great. We love Paul. Paul's a very nice individual. Um, and yeah, he kills it on this. He's one of my favorite comedians. He's love his cadence, love his voice. He's great. Yeah, same. And this is a great, He's great fantastic. show. Yeah, there, there's a... a really interesting scene where they're throwing a house party uh but they're the only two people there yeah um <laughs> awkward yeah <laughs> is there is there a song happening when that happens i don't remember yeah they're singing about great something <laughs> great. i don't know if they were actually singing about a party or if they were just singing i don't know uh, it's probably just general were they singing hang, were they hanging yeah. out hanging out hanging out with their family Having themselves a party. No? Uh, I yeah. wish. I wish the song was that entertaining. Yeah, I wish it would have just turned into Birdemic. That would have been great. <laughs> and then 
we wrapped things up with oh God. the <laughs> mega riff of the night. Everyone came back out on stage and they performed for us the bags. Oh, yeah, because everyone wondered what the life of sentient burlap sack would be like. Um, yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's, this is one of those things. It's really rare when we see something that genuinely surprises us. And the bags is one of those things that genuinely surprised us. Just so, so bizarre. Can't understand the headspace of the people who made it. Can't understand how no one questioned it along the way. Don't understand how it made it to print. It's absolutely bizarre. But if you want to see two uh, burlap sacks dancing in tandem, um, you've got the short for you. And being chased by a big burly man that they escaped from. It's yeah, it's bizarre. Like, why does he want to get the bags? <laughs> because they're magic. They're magic, Peter. Obviously, he wants them for their power. Isn't there a scene where one like eats the other one? Like I think stuffs that, it inside itself? Yes, that does happen, I believe. Yes, they join together. They form Ultron. <laughs> they form Ultron Ugh. bags. Bag Ultron. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the more garbage seasons of Power Rangers. Yeah, not in my top five for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh they like escape by boat or something at the end. They do escape it's by boat. Like- <laughs> <laughs> they go away into the distance together. It's like, what? What is happening? Oh no, the bag. Yeah, no. This whole show is worth watching, if only just for the bags and rhythmic yeah. skills. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and like, look, just revisiting this. All of the shorts are great, but. The bags and rhythmic ball stills are so good <laughs> that they just stand I, out completely. I do got to say that um, I was still thinking about, because I had to go watch this one at a theater, because at the time my theater was getting remodeled. So I had to go watch this down at a theater about 40 miles away. And I left the theater thinking about the bags. By the time I got home, like an hour later, I was still thinking about the bags. <laughs> uh, and most... <laughs> Most of my memory of that night is wrapped up around the bed. Like, I had to be reminded about the ball thing. I had to be reminded about the raccoon guy. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of this other, like, like a lot of the other, uh, uh, the rest of the night, I don't remember a whole lot about it. But I remember the bags a lot. So, <laughs> that tells usually, you how, yeah. Usually, right after the live shows are done, uh, Dave and I are, are messaging each other, talking about it. And yeah, that's like all he would talk about was the bags. It's like I, I, I had so many questions like, are they evil? Are they dead now? Like what? what? I'm, ah, I was just it, it's it was it was entertaining. But like the bags is also very disturbing on 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 multiple levels. Like we were talking about rhythmic ball. Like, why was this made? The bags was somebody's vision. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like someone like, I'm going to, I'm going to write this. I'm going to, I'm going to choreograph this dance, these dances that, that they do. Um, I don't know if it was made for children because it would upset children, but it (laughs) certainly wasn't made for adults. So I'm not sure what. Yeah. It was uh, very, very bizarre. And then of course, there was uh, Jeffrey Lewis showing up as a traffic cop. Yeah, because why not? Sure. It's like, hey, wait a second. I recognize him. That was uh, 
the light in the dark being able to recognize something (laughs) in the backs kind of help you uh help you keep in touch with reality (laughs) be like there is a world outside of the bags remember this guy (laughs) you're going back to that world eventually i don't know maybe we're still in the bags maybe that explains everything you know we've been in the bags for the last three years Here's here's the summary of the bags. Oh, great! It is a non a non narrative fantasy about two sacks of junk which come alive and escape their collector, and it is used to express the concept of love, understanding, and humor. And it is for elementary grades for teachers who hate their children. I mean, I wouldn't show this to children. <laughs> no way, dude! I would have been terrified if they showed me this in school, like back when I was like in kindergarten or first grade or whatever. It sort of scared the crap out of me. Yeah, so yeah. Wait, wait, okay, now what what year was it made? Uh 73. 73? Yeah. That's I would have expected this was like the height of the druggy 60s. Like, yeah. that's what I would have expected for this. But hey, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, no, the world doesn't the world doesn't make sense anymore. We don't need to no. justify the bags. The bags can't be justified. Yeah, this was this was a very fun a very fun uh, live show. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I I definitely loved watching uh, Paul F. Tompkins in there because just like you, Peter, I, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I really enjoy pretty much anything that I've seen him do. Uh, that's all I got to say about the backs. <laughs> I mean, like just thank you again, Peter, for hanging out with us tonight. Of course, thank of you fun. for having me. Yeah, anytime. And yeah, and if, if you podcast listeners enjoy podcasts, you could check out my podcast, Prequel, Sequel, Remake, where we take movies that don't have prequel, sequels, and remakes and uh, create prequel, sequels, and remakes for them, um, usually to futile effort. But, um, you know, it's available <laughs> wherever podcasts are sold. It, it is it is a lot of fun. It's a, it's a good podcast. Thank so you. So definitely go check it out. And uh, uh, if you enjoyed the show today... You can uh, always go over to our Patreon and support us, patreon.com slash trueblueriffcast. For $2 a month, you can uh, get all of our fun little behind-the-scenes stuff. You can get looks at uh, what's coming up on the podcast. We have our listener poll and all of our little bloopers and fun little notifications and ringtones that I like to make of Dave uh, when he screws something up and makes funny little sounds. That can all be yours over at our Patreon. And, of course, you can go over to... Uh, the Patreon for Rift Tracks and support them for a couple dollars a month. And you can get uh, talking Rift Tracks and special extended previews and all kinds of little goodies over there. And I'm Jeremy. You can find me online at PB and Awesome on Twitter. You can send me emails, Jeremy at TrueBlueRiftCast.com. And of course, you can follow the podcast at TB Riftcast. And I'm Dave. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out tonight. And I'll see everybody later on. We'll see you guys next time right here on the True Blue Rift.